the word that was originally in the Aramaic Ahmed on the tongue of Jesus, right? Yeah. Was switched out and placed in the manuscripts as Paraclete because they wanted to ensure that the Roman emperor would never sway away from their control. اللهم صل على محمد وعلى محمد الهم المهدينا وسلم تسليما السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته my dear sister Tiffany وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته it's good to have you back it's been a while yeah thank you so much for having me back I'm so happy to be here God bless you so uh, today we want to talk about um, the Bible and we want to talk about the prophecies uh, that Jesus gave of somebody who would come after him Okay, so first and foremost, uh, we want to clarify for our viewers before we get into uh, the prophecies of Jesus um, that there is something about the New Testament, the Christian Bible, uh, that is different uh, than the Quran and is different uh, than the uh, the Hebrew Bible. Yeah. Okay, and uh, that is the fact that the Hebrew Bible is supposed to be in the language that was spoken by the prophets and the messengers that are mentioned in the Bible. Yes. Yeah. So it's supposed to be that, and Jews believe that the Hebrew Bible, it, it was written firsthand by those prophets and messengers and by Moses uh, in their own native tongue. Yes. And so the words themselves, they they feel uh, have um, many different meanings. The arrangement uh, of the words, uh, the letters themselves, they believe that there are mathematical miracles within the uh, text of the Torah. And uh, the same thing with the Qur'an. The Qur'an came down in Arabic. The Prophet Muhammad and the people of the time, sallallahu alayhi uh, were all speaking Arabic. And so it was the native tongue of the Prophet uh, in that day and age. So the reliability uh, of the Hebrew Bible and the Qur'an uh, for Jews and for, and for Muslims uh, uh, relies upon the fact that the uh, the people at the time would have understood what was written and that the context didn't change uh, through a translation or the meaning wasn't corrupted because of a um, you know a mistranslation of the text and that the prophets that came uh, after uh, you know in the in the case of Judaism and the imams that came after in the case of of Islam uh, or the companions that were, were living at that time because it is in their native um, language uh, and they understood what was written, uh, they would have been able to uh, preserve it and, and safeguard it from any corruptions or um, you know, mis, you know, misunderstandings concerning uh, the concepts, the stories, the commandments, the ideas that exist within these uh, texts, these scriptures. Yeah. But it's not the case, is it, in regards, of, in, in, in regards to Christianity no. uh, and the Bible. 
And that is because uh, the Bible that exists today, uh, that most people read, um, is a translation of a translation of uh, a text that is not in the native language that Jesus spoke. So Jesus, what, what language did he speak, Tiffany? Aramaic. He spoke Aramaic. And his companions spoke Aramaic. And all of Jesus' teachings and words were in, the, in his native language of Aramaic. Mm -hmm. And yet we, we find that the version, the oldest version uh, of the New Testament is in what language? Greek. Is in Greek. And so that right there becomes a very big problem uh, in the eyes of the Jews and the Muslims. The, why is it that it was originally written in Greek, Tiffany, instead of Aramaic? Do you know? Um, the, I mean, Greek was a, was a commonly spoken language in the first century. Um, but it is one of those points that makes the authorship um, definitely debatable and questionable. And um, it, it brings a lot of... Um, uh, questions about uh, who actually wrote the Bible because, uh, as you said, clearly the disciples, they were speaking Aramaic. So how how was this transition from Aramaic to Greek made? Um, I'm actually not sure why it was written originally in Greek. Yeah, so uh, the, the narrations that we have um, and the various manuscripts, uh, Christian manuscripts that, that detail the events that took place uh, after Christ with the with the apostles, uh, mentions that after the crucifixion of Christ, the disciples were shaken, um, and uh, they didn't really know what to believe in. Um, they were terrified, they were shaken, they were in doubt, um, and hence you have the story of Doubting Thomas, right? Yes. And where he gets his... Um, you know his title from until uh, the scenes where they encountered Jesus and there's the uh, appearances of Jesus that take place after the resurrection. And in one particular manuscript, uh, it says that the disciples after the the crucifixion uh, and after they meet Jesus again, each and every one of them is busied for a while with writing their own gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, each and every one of them quickly took the pen and the paper and they began to, um, you know, write in their native language um, all of the stories, the parables, the parables, the events that took place, the conversations that took place uh, between them and Jesus Christ. And then you have, uh, so naturally they didn't speak Greek, they spoke Aramaic mm -hmm. and they would have preserved the words of Jesus uh, in Aramaic as he spoke them. Yeah. Now you have the the Bible that is currently between the hands of the people. It was written in Greek largely because it was uh, the the Gentiles were the target audience uh, for that manuscript. Okay. If the target audience uh, of the Bible was people that spoke Aramaic or the Jews that were living 
in the region where Jesus was, yeah. then it wouldn't have been in Greek. It would have been presented to them in their native tongue. Why would, uh, for example, somebody try to propagate a message uh, in the United States or in Europe um, in Hindi or, or, or in, in Urdu or yeah. in Arabic when the majority of the population uh, speaks English, yes. right? okay. So, so the idea that the oldest text was in Greek is an indication that it was written in Greek in order to appeal to and be delivered to and reach a Greek-speaking um, audience. Okay, makes sense. Now, when we look at the breakdown uh, of the New Testament, uh, there are a lot of a lot of fun yet scary facts uh, about um, the New Testament that some people know, a lot of people they don't know. Uh, the New Testament is largely thought to be written by uh, an apostle called Paul. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, roughly about like half of it yeah. uh, is thought to be written by uh, by Paul. Uh, Paul was a Jew, um, but he never met Jesus Christ, and he used to uh, curse Jesus, and he used to be a Nasibi that hated him and thought that he was a false Messiah. And we're going to have a whole episode about Paul, but just to uh, you know highlight his life story. Um, he fought against Christians, didn't he? Yes, he did. By his own admission, he was he was there uh, when one of the f first martyrs of Christianity was killed, Saint uh, Stephen. So he he was open about the fact that he was um, speaking murderous threats against Christians and that he was helping people to kill Christians and persecute them. And that's a part of his journey that he actually wrote about. So he murders Christians? Yes. And then he has this he experience. He hates Jesus. He hates Christians. Then what happens? He has this experience when he's on the road to Damascus where he's blinded and uh, he hears the, the voice of Jesus. Um, this is what he says and he's saying, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then he has this transformation where he decides to uh, become a Christian. He believes he's changed and he decides to dedicate his whole life to spreading Christianity rather than persecuting Christians. It's a, it's a very kind of bizarre turnaround of events. But yes, he, he started out as a, a, a Jewish man who hated Christianity and hated Christians. And then he has this flip. But it, it calls into question whether he, I mean, whether he maybe just changed his strategy does Jesus have regular conversations with him? He, that's really vague, actually. Um, he, he says things like he, he doesn't speak, uh, he doesn't speak, sometimes he says that he's speaking from himself and not from God. But then he also claims to, to have prophecy from Jesus. So he's almost like a, like a prophet that came after Jesus. Okay. And when he had this encounter with Jesus, so there's, what, how many encounters are there that he mentions? I'm, I'm not sure the total. Like this specific event was was just uh, one encounter. Okay. Does he mention other encounters that take place afterwards? I, I'm not sure. So does when he meets uh, Jesus or he has this experience, is it something that he's hearing in his head? Or is it kind of the same as the other encounters that take place with the rest of the disciples 
uh, where they see Jesus in front of them uh, as a gardener, as a fisherman, as an individual that doesn't look like Christ, uh, but they just know that he is Christ. Um, I think it's just a voice, not a, not a person. Okay, so he's basically, uh, we have Paul now. He is attacking Christians. He wants to destroy Christianity. Mm -hmm. He's dedicating his life to this mission of the destruction of Jesus and his teachings. And um, then all of a sudden he becomes a Christian. And he claims that he's receiving prophecies, uh, that he's something uh, of a prophet. And he begins to, um, you know, take it upon himself uh, after having these visions uh, that cannot be confirmed by any third parties, um, that he has a mission to spread Christianity. Mm -hmm. And he focuses on a non-Jewish audience. Yes. Mm -hmm. this, uh, these are the people that he wants to talk to. He don't want to talk to these Jews. Um, and the reason why he doesn't want to talk to the Jews uh, is outlined kind of uh, in the Bible uh, because you have the, the original disciples uh, of Jesus Christ. Um, they are already dealing with the Jews and establishing a church, um, you know, in Jesus's uh, hometown and where he lived. And, uh, and, and there's tensions between Paul and between the vice chair and the successor uh, of Jesus, uh, Simon Peter, and some of the other disciples. Yes. Uh, what's the source of these tensions? Um, they had a disagreement about uh, certain aspects of the law. Um, Paul, Paul was pretty uh, determined to say that the law is not what saves you. You're saved by grace. You're now under grace and not under the law. Um, and it makes sense because he was speaking to the Gentiles who were not used to the Jewish law and they were not circumcised and they didn't follow the dietary laws and they didn't follow all of the aspects of the jurisprudence of Judaism. So um, Paul was saying that it's not necessary for them to become circumcised in order to be Christians. And Peter uh, did not agree, and they were having an argument about that. And Paul also made accusations against Peter, um, saying that he, he was hypocritical because he used to um, eat uh, with Gentiles uh, in secret and things of this nature. Uh, so they were, they were fighting with each other. And Paul uh, basically uh, was saying, I'm right. I'm right and Peter's wrong which is weird when you think about it, because Peter was the one who Jesus, uh, he, he placed the jurisprudence in Peter's hands, and we've spoken about that on previous episodes. Okay, so Jesus, he publicly appoints Peter yeah. uh, as his disciple. Peter lived with Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter tried to defend Jesus. He's the only one who tried to defend him uh, at, at his arrest scene. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, then this disciple that was fighting against um, the disciples and this disciple that never met Jesus at all, actually, he can't even be a disciple. Mm -hmm. um, and a disciple who um, was, he's now fighting against the vice chair and he's claiming to have more authority, more understanding uh, than the chosen vice chair of Jesus himself. Yes. But he never met Jesus and Jesus never appointed him. 
yes that's what happened okay and then what takes place he begins his mission of of spreading christianity and he has a friend of his what's the name of his friend is it titus luke oh luke yes of course luke is the his scribe yeah sorry yeah so luke, he has the a, author of acts and the, and luke yeah. yeah so he has a scribe who's his close companion and this guy he he basically he speaks greek okay yeah, yeah yes. and he's a doctor he's an educated guy and he uh he likes paul yeah. and paul likes luke and paul begins to dictate to luke um you know all of these letters uh and things to be sent out to different people mm. and paul uh you know after totally discrediting um simon peter in the eyes of the gentiles because essentially what he does is you know and it's very important the reason why paul uh you know tries to embarrass simon and insists on placing this uh this this part in the bible is because in the in the eyes of all of the gentiles now simon doesn't really like them mm-hmm. you know simon uh, doesn't yeah. even feel like they're worthy enough to eat with them you know so naturally now they're more inclined towards listening to Paul and accepting the message from Paul and Paul becomes a better representation of Jesus Christ and a more reliable source. Yeah. Okay. And now they can never leave Paul, you know, because because the alternative to Paul are uh, is Simon Peter and and the disciples who not only abandon Christ, you know, which um you know and denied Christ uh like Simon Peter did yes. three times, right? Yeah. Uh, after the scene of of the um of the arrest um which Paul never did uh, but also they think that they're better than all gentiles yeah yeah that would be like me trying to bring you to islam you know uh but at the same time uh telling you that uh, arabs are uh better and more worthy uh of islam than non-arabs uh then it wouldn't really be an appealing message to you right yeah except if somebody unwelcome. else came and said but tiffany uh you know this guy's a hypocrite he's lying it's not the truth the truth is that uh, islam came for all people naturally and automatically you as a white woman would you know and as a non-arab would be more inclined towards um the person who's telling you that version uh, of islam and you would never uh, be a member of uh, my version of islam okay yes. yeah. Okay so then uh then Paul uh, in addition to the fact that he never met Jesus Christ uh he half of the New Testament becomes his own writings his yes. own teachings yes you know yeah uh, Paul I think he says more in the New Testament than Jesus Christ himself does yeah for sure he does yeah, yeah. there's more quotes about him uh you know and from him than there is uh, from the uh you know the main character himself mm-hmm. and then you have in addition to the writings uh of Paul you have the acts of the apostles which uh details all of the um you know events that took place after uh Jesus and the establishment of the first church and all those things which you know the disciples did and and uh, but who's the one that writes it it's Luke Luke. Yeah. Luke's the one who writes the Acts of the Apostles and Luke also he never met uh Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's taken everything from Paul. 
So Paul essentially is, you know, he's putting his letters in there and he's also telling Luke uh, what it is to write. And everybody knows that. Even Luke used to secretly visit Paul in jail and sit at his feet uh, because he was he was an influential person in society, Luke was. So he was able to uh, make his way into the jail cell to meet Paul uh, after Paul's arrest and 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 uh, and yeah, so he writes Acts of the Apostles, and it's also uh, very widely believed that he wrote the Gospel of Luke uh, yes. itself. So now we're going into the four main uh, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And one of them uh, is written by an apostle of Paul, which means that one of the narratives was, was written by Paul himself. Essentially, yeah. 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 And then and when you ask about Matthew, Mark, and John... Uh, it is the scholars, they pretty much say that these guys also um, were not the apostles of Jesus Christ, rather the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and John were also written uh, much later by people that had never uh, met Jesus. Some people think that they must have been apostles of the apostles, yeah. uh, students of the apostles that, that wrote them uh, much after Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah, I, I would say your average Christian doesn't really um, know that. Um, they, I mean, many of your average Christians, they believe that the Gospels were written by the Apostles. They believe that John wrote the Gospel of John. They believe that Matthew wrote the Gospel of Matthew. But as you said, the scholars are, are fairly convinced that this is impossible and did not happen. Mm. Yeah. And then you have, in, and there's some writings that's attributed to Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but it's in Greek. Yeah. And Peter didn't speak Greek. Yeah. All, like the authorship of, of that epistle is very debatable. A lot of people don't believe that it was written by Peter. Okay. So then even if it was written by Peter, then somebody had to have had a hand in uh, the translation and relaying uh, of the words of Peter. So meanings could have been changed in there. Yeah. And then you have the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, nobody even knows who wrote it. Yeah. Just like much of the rest of the Bible, like nobody knows for sure who it is. Um, they just know that it's somebody called John. Yeah. Uh, they don't know which John is it. Is it John the Apostle? Is it a different John? John that came later? Yeah. Who is it? Just like they don't know who Matthew, Mark, and and uh, John are that wrote the um, the Gospels. Yeah. Okay, well, it's a very complex case now. It is. Yeah. And all of it's in Greek. And the apostles are not really speaking Greek, and they're not fluent in it, and they didn't have a chance to review it, and Jesus Christ certainly didn't have a chance to review it. And the only reason why people think that Jesus reviewed it is because they believe that, you know, Paul was uh, in touch with Jesus through the Spirit or through inspiration, and so Paul's review of the Bible uh, equals for them Jesus's review of the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a bit of a bizarre situation. That's an extremely bizarre uh, situation uh, that is uh, quite scary, actually, uh, if you think about it. Yeah. Okay, so in regards to this episode, why is this important? It's important now because now there are a couple parts in the Bible where uh, Jesus is, uh, he's speaking to his disciples uh, some really important words, you know, and he's telling them, uh, that you know he has to go yeah he has to go and he's telling them not to worry don't worry 
because even though I am going, I'm going to send for you somebody. Yeah. Um, this somebody, there's a word that they use for it, and that's paraclete. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's translated as comforter. Yeah. Sometimes it's translated as supporter. Yeah. Advocate. Advocate. Yeah. Uh, like a, an advocate's like something like a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. But the word itself is a Greek word. So it wouldn't have been the actual word that Jesus used, but rather a translation of whatever word Jesus originally used. Yes. Yes. And uh, Jesus tells the disciples that a couple things about this comforter or this paraclete. He says that uh, he will remain f with you forever. Yes. And he also says uh, that, you know, in the same sentence, you know, he says that he's going to send them. And then there's a reference to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord, yeah. 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 And it also says that this comforter is going to teach you and remind you of me and explain to you all those things um, yeah, that I didn't explain to you, yeah. right? Okay, so what can we conclude uh, from these words? We know that um, there is an advocate. And by the way, the, the, the Greek word, you know, for advocate, when you go back and you read about uh, the word paraclete and how the Jews at that time understood it or how the people at that time used it or, or even the Greeks, like how they would have understood that, the word was understood to be another messenger. Okay. Okay. So a a prophet or a messenger, and and Jesus he says I I'm going to send you another one. So yes. whoever he's sending is like him. Yes. He's a prophet. He's a messenger. He's a representative of God, and the advocate also is another one of Jesus. He's yes. a second Jesus uh, that. He's sending forward. Okay. Yeah, okay. He does say, I will send you another one. And that's very specific. And it, it's meaningful. Yeah, it means that just like it, another one means what? It means that Jesus is a paraclete too. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's interesting to know. And that is also one of the reasons why uh, the Muslims believe that the fulfillment of this, they believe that Jesus was essentially saying, I'm a messenger, I'm going to send you another messenger. Yeah? yeah. And this other messenger, they believe to be Muhammad. They say that there is nobody who has fulfilled the, the words or the promise of Jesus Christ by coming after him and proclaiming a message uh, besides the uh, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Okay. And they reference a verse uh, in the Quran uh, which states, وَمُبَشِّرًا بِرَسُولٍ يَأْتِي مِنْ بَعْدِ أَحْمَدٍ And giving glad tidings of a messenger who is to come after me, whose name is Ahmed. So it's quoting Jesus. It's referencing that specific promise of Jesus in the New Testament yeah. where he says, I'm going to send you a messenger, mm -hmm. right? Um over here, it says, Jesus said, and I'm going to give you glad tidings. And over here, it was glad tidings. He said, don't worry, be, be happy, you know, because you're going to get this advocate. Yeah. Over here, it says, and giving you glad tidings of a messenger to come after me, 
whose name is Ahmed. Yes. Ahmed, the name of the paraclete, the name of the messenger is in the Quran, in the Bible. Uh, it's absent, but we have this word name, par, uh, you know, uh, paraclete. Yes. Some Muslim scholars have tried to say that paraclete means uh, praised one or would mean something like this, and therefore they make it fit to mean Ahmad or Muhammad. And Ahmad in the Quran is, uh, the Muslims say, is another name of Muhammad. So therefore, uh, the Ahmad that's to come is uh, actually, it's a, it's a reference to the uh, Prophet Muhammad. Yes. And then there are other scholars um, who claim a conspiracy. And this is the more accurate um, and the true and correct uh, interpretation and uh, of the of the uh, claim here. So they they claim what they claim that that uh, you had all of these gospels and manuscripts that were lying around, and Paul was working really really hard in order to get his version of Christianity out to the uh, Roman, the Greek world, to Europe, right? Yes, and. Eventually, when when Constantine, uh, you know, at the Council of Nicaea, had adopted Christianity as the official religion of the state, and he kind of forms the Holy Roman Empire, and then all of the uh, Christian priests have to decide on what it is that's going to be in the Bible, and all of this, they claim that the word that was that was originally in the aramaic ahmed on the tongue of jesus right yeah was switched out and placed in the manuscripts as paraclete which was a title that was vague and the purpose why they deleted the specific name and made a title that was vague and gave the understanding that this messenger that was to come was actually the Holy Spirit and not another uh, prophet was to come was because they wanted to ensure that the Roman emperor would never sway away from their control. Okay. Do you understand? Yes, they don't want somebody coming up and claiming to, they to don't be this want person. Somebody coming up and claiming to be this person, and then and then all their power goes away, and this this Roman emperor now is going to listen to this prophet that comes out of nowhere, and then he's going to come and attack us. So therefore, it's really important for us as followers of Paul to kind of like cut the door on on any close the door on any claimants that are going to come in the future. It is only us. We're the final ones. That is, I mean, that is a huge revelation because, the, I mean, this, these verses that you're talking about, they're, they're one of the big talking points between Muslims and Christians. And Muslims are, are saying that this is how Prophet Muhammad came forward and he claimed the will. This is how he, you know, he said that, that he is the one that Jesus spoke about. And then we have this exact speech in the Bible, but this word is not, is not Ahmed. And, and this explanation for, for what exactly happened is, I mean, it just makes sense. Because how many times have, have we seen such things happen in history? People do not, they want to stop the truth, you know, and Jesus warned against this type of thing happening. 
People want to stop people from reaching the truth. Exactly. And people in power. They don't want to give up their power. And they, Muhammad uh, fulfilled uh, that in the, in the sense that he came and he praised Jesus and he reminded the people yeah. of Jesus and Jesus' promise. Um, and, uh, and that's something that Jesus said that the Comforter would do, that he would come and praise him and glorify him. And, and uh, yeah, so then, so then we have the, the Christian uh, Pauline, uh, I don't want to say Christian, I want to say more the, the Pauline interpretation of what the Comforter is. And, and how is it that Christians understand this Comforter that's going to come and remain with them forever? That it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which is with everybody. They, they believe that after Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit and, and that it, it came to all Christians and that that is the comforter. They're not waiting for an individual. They don't believe that these verses are speaking about a person or a messenger um, who is to come. So what Paul succeeded in doing and those who followed in his footsteps afterwards were to totally erase and change the prophecy from Jesus promising that another advocate, defender, messenger, prophet, um, that's the likes of him, another vice chairman who's a man, because Jesus is another, and he's in man form, right? Mm -hmm. So how is another of him going to come in spirit form? Another of him has to match uh, what he is. They managed to change that understanding and turn it into a thing where, where it's this, this spirit, just like the spirit that, Paul claims came down upon him. He's saying, now look guys, this spirit is gonna be upon all of you guys. So now you guys don't have to worry about any false claimant to come in the future. Don't, don't even think about, don't believe anybody who's saying that he alone has the truth. All of you guys have the truth. It's on, it's on all of you guys and it's in all of you guys. So long as you are uh, going along with my version of Christianity and, and, and you're not speaking about anything that's outside of this, this Bible that pretty much I influenced and wrote the whole thing. As long as it's going along with this, Jesus is with you guys. That's all you need. You're filled with the Holy Spirit and it's all good. And clearly he's mentioning comforter and, you know, and then he's making a reference to uh, the Holy Spirit here. And so therefore uh, case is closed. Yeah. yeah. But the problem is, 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 is it was, uh, it's pointed out, um, you know, uh, it's the same argument, really, that the Ahl Bayt they they pointed out when uh, the Muslims uh, asked about the verse in the Quran, uh, which says, "And we do not will anything." Uh, the Quran says, "We do not will except that God wills." And uh, they say that uh, the Ahl Bayt when interpreting when interpreting this verse, they say that how could this verse be speaking about the general population of Muslims? Because all of their wills are contradicting with one another. Mm. All of their understandings is contradicting with one another. So obviously, uh, the verse, when it's speaking about people that only will when God wills, this cannot be applying to the mass population. The same thing over here. How can the Holy Spirit be with all Christians and that he is the comforter to come when the Christians have split into so many denominations and they have varying interpretations of, of Scripture and they've uh, committed atrocities in the name of Christ and they've fought against one another? How can it be 
that all of them are filled with the uh, spirit of Jesus Christ and that he's the one who's guiding them. And this Holy Spirit is, um, you know, is, is basically, uh, you know, making them all be the future messengers that were promised by uh, Jesus Christ. Right. It doesn't even make sense. You know, but the Alpitanim they said that this verse is specifically about them and they are men. And the same case over here, the advocate, the paraclete, it is specifically about a man who's to come. Okay. okay. Now, uh, how do we put this all together and how do we understand this? It's it's very simple. We spoke about and and uh, in some of the other episodes, which you were not present in, but I know that you've been uh, watching them all. Yes. Um, you know, and uh, and the the well, the way to understand it is as follows: Jesus Christ, we said, uh, is a member of the Ahl Kisab. There's narrations from the Ahl Bayt in which they are speaking about and are being asked about the Holy Spirit. Yes. Believers, they read in the Quran, and it says, and they ask about the Holy Spirit, say the Holy Spirit is a command from God. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. They go to the Ahl Bayt. They went to Imam Ali. And there's many narrations of this sort. And Imam Ali's response is, we are the command of God, and we are the Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. And we are the veil of God that he veiled himself from creation. And so... And so we understand now that God Almighty, in the beginning, as I was mentioning in the very last episode before this one, he spoke, he praised himself, he commanded, he willed this command of God, these words of God, this, this, this um, desire of God turned into a veil, a creation whereby God would speak to creation from behind it. It would be that first intercessor. And that first intercessor, that first veil, is the Holy Spirit. Okay. The Holy Spirit is the Word of God. It is the veil of God. And it is the Ahlul Kisat, alayhim Okay. And the Ahlul Kisat, they consist of who? Muhammad, Ali, Fatima, Al-Hassan, Al-Hussein, and Gabriel. And Gabriel is Jesus Christ. Yes. Okay. So when Jesus Christ says, I will send to you another advocate, another paraclete, essentially what he is saying is that I will send to you another member of the Holy Spirit. Yes. When in other narrations, when asked about the Holy Spirit, uh, the answer comes that it's not just one, it's multiple. They're plural. Yeah. And that these, the Holy Spirit that is plural, that's multiple, that they have hands and they have legs and they have faces and they resemble human beings. Wow. So now the Holy Spirit, we're actually talking about people that 
are human in appearance, but maybe not like the rest of humanity in terms of behavior and understanding and degree in nature. Yes. Wow. Okay. That's so amazing. Yeah. That's so amazing. And, and that, ex that perfectly explains the words of Jesus. Everything that he said about, I will send you another one like me, and I will send you another messenger like me. And the Holy Spirit, his reference to the Holy Spirit, now it all makes sense. So now, Ahmed Hassan, he said what? Well, he said that every single prophet and messenger that's ever came from the time of Adam all the way till now, they had in them a peace or something or a scent or a breeze from the Holy Spirit. Each and every prophet that came, they had in them this blow of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So Adam, when a part of the Spirit was blown into him, yeah. okay, yeah. He, becomes, he becomes Adam the man, but he also has in him from the Ahl Kisat. Okay. And it is by this Holy Spirit that came into him that he was able to know all these things. Yes, okay. As such, David, as such, Saul, as such, all of these prophets and messengers, when they are given something from the Holy Spirit, it becomes a thing that their actions becomes God's actions. And the Quran, therefore, will say that about David, that it was not David that threw, but rather it was God that threw. Okay. Because it's that part of the Holy Spirit that enters into David. So the Holy Spirit doesn't become the soul of David, but becomes this, this enforcing spirit that exists alongside with the soul of David. Okay. If the prophet or the messenger disobeys and his soul and his self doesn't submit to the Holy Spirit, then it leaves him. And we have many examples of uh, cases where prophets and messengers uh, they lost their souls, and with the losing of their souls, they also lost this Holy Spirit that yes. came from God. And then we have Jesus, who is the perfect of them all, because Jesus uh, was the perfect manifestation of the Holy Spirit. His nature and his soul itself was a part of this uh, Holy Spirit nor became a part of this Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, when he told his disciples that he's going to send another advocate, he was not talking about somebody, the likes of the prophets and messengers that came before him, who only had a part of the Spirit in them, but rather he was talking about a perfect manifestation, like a dissension of the Holy Spirit that would appear uh, once again uh, in man form. And that could only be fulfilled by a member of the Ahl al-Kisa And then he says that uh, he will remain with you forever. And the reason or the meaning behind he will remain for you for, with you forever is because after the Prophet Muhammad came, who was a member of the Ahl al-Kisat, he was succeeded by each and every one of the Imams who were all members of the Ahl al-Kisat. So yes. it became the continuous existence and of the Ahl al-Kisat 
uh, after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Yes. And then after the Prophet Muhammad comes the Mahdi's. And the rule of the Mahdi's and all of the successors that come after Imam al-Mahdi. So the narrations state that uh, uh, after the Mahdi, it will be the rule of Ali ibn Abi Talib. Ali ibn Abi Talib is the one who's saying, I am the Holy Spirit, right? And that his rule would last for 40,000 years. It is because Ali ibn Abi Talib and the Ahlul Kisa would rule, or the Holy Spirit would rule the earth through uh, the pre- being with the Mahdi's and the successors of uh, Imam al-Mahdi. And so the Holy Spirit would actually rule the earth after it's filled with justice and equity. And therefore, the Spirit would remain with the believers forever unlike Jesus who was oppressed and then he had to be uh, raised and he went away from the disciples and then all these years passed where there's no advocate, there's no member of the Holy Spirit. And then the Prophet Muhammad comes who's the uh, who's an ultimate manifestation of the Holy Spirit and he's succeeded by Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And then they enforce now the rule of the returned prophets and messengers who will come to rule as successors uh, in the divine just state, each and every one of them filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the actions of all of the successors that come after Imam al-Mahdi becomes the actions and the rules of the Holy Spirit, just like it said in the Quran that it wasn't David that threw, but it was God that threw because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The same thing over here, Imam Ali, he rules for 40,000 years because the successors after uh, Imam Mahdi ruled for 40,000 years and each and every one of them is filled with the uh, Holy Spirit or that advocate from God. It's so beautiful. That's such a beautiful um, explanation and understanding of, of what Jesus said, that, that he will remain with you forever. That was always one of the most mysterious aspects of this statement to me personally. And uh, now to understand that, that it is speaking about the Ahukisa and the, the members of this Holy Spirit and, and how they will remain ruling forever. That's so beautiful. And I'm, I'm so happy to know that. You know, there's also narrations from the Ahibayt where where Imam Ali would say, you know, that uh, I'm the companion of Noah and the Ark, and and I'm the one that split the sea open for Moses, and and I'm the one who was this with was with this prophet or that prophet. You have narration narrations also of Gabriel, uh, who is saying the exact same thing. And you have words of Jesus where he's saying the exact same thing, that he was the one who was with all of the prophets and the messengers. Yes. Yeah. Right? And you have also uh, narrations where Imam al-Mahdi will lean against the Kaaba and he'll say, you know, whoever, uh, you know, and, and the Al-Bayt will say that whoever wanted to see Adam, you know, whoever wanted to see Noah, whoever wanted to see Abraham, whoever wanted to see Jesus, whoever wanted to see Muhammad, then they'll look at the Imam al-Mahdi and he's, pretty much all of them. And the reason is because all of the prophets and the messengers that were ever uh, sent to the earth, um, they all shared one thing in common, and that is that all of them had in them something from the Spirit. And so those experiences that each and every prophet and messenger went with were experiences that not just they as individual men went through, but also the Holy Spirit as a whole and went through uh, all of uh, all of those experiences. So essentially, the Holy Spirit 
is Adam and the Holy Spirit, is Abraham and the Holy Spirit, is Noah and Moses and Jesus and all of the prophets and the messengers, and it is Muhammad and it is uh, the Imams as well. It's amazing. God bless you, Tiffany, and thank you for uh, joining us. Thank you. I can't wait to continue. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me today. It was so wonderful. God bless you. Salam alaikum.